Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. All aboard the ship, the <laughs> friendship, that is, as we sail toward deeper waters of camaraderie and connection. That's right. This week, we're deepening our friendship and exploring ways to help you grow your own bonds using 15 personal questions, which Jillian and I will model for you on today's episode. But first, it's closing the news. Our first story is all about reuniting a rabbit with its owner. A stuffed rabbit, that is. I'm using that <laughs> sentence structure a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Aaron Sorensen of Omaha, Nebraska, found a bedraggled bunny by the side of the road and posted to Twitter and TikTok in hopes of finding its owner. And the post blew up, especially the ones on TikTok, as everyone's really trying to furiously find out like who lost this really cute stuffed bunny. Along with the picture of the adorable bunny, she wrote, quote, I picked it up because it looks like it was pretty loved by someone, and I'm hopeful I can find that someone, end quote. She even cleaned it up and discovered it's a beautiful soft lavender color because it was quite dirty. And looking at the original photos, it's not quite sure. It could have been gray, it could have been white. And then it, this, it's actually this really pretty lavender color. Who'd have guessed? While it has not yet been claimed, we're hopeful it will find it's some bunny special <laughs> before Easter. I love the some bunny. And I do. I, ho- I hope they get reunited. I think every child has been through the horror of losing cherished toy or stuffed animal yeah. i'm still um very much scarred from losing these little pumpkin dolls i lost in a pumpkin patch my mom said leave them in the car don't bring them out you're gonna lose them and i really want to take them with me and of course you know I, I i lost them and i would have loved for back in the day there would be a tiktok of reuniting me with my pumpkin dolls yeah i'm, I'm so sorry you lost your pumpkin dolls but also <laughs> you kind of release them into the wild to join their pumpkin <laughs> brethren. So in a certain way, it was such a generous act on your part. As a humanitarian That's or a pumpkinarian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you live in Omaha uh, and you know somebody who lost a bunny, check out Aaron Sorensen's uh, Twitter, that's S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N, or TikTok, and see if that's the, the bunny that the person you know, if that matches. Yeah, I hope they get reunited. Maybe on Easter, that would be really appropriate and wonderful. It would be an Easter miracle. (laughs) Jillian, what story do you have for us today? I'll hop on over to my story. It's all about Easter baskets and whether you're too old to receive an Easter basket when you're, say, 15. Like this mom asked her Twitter followers, Kara Cargill. She's a picture book writer from South Carolina, and she took to Twitter and said, my husband says my 15 and a half year old son is too old for an Easter basket. I still did one anyway. What are your thoughts? And of course, the comment section was hopping with hot debate. (laughs) (laughs) And today even consulted a pediatrician (laughs) for, you know, their take on the situation. (laughs) But it actually made me feel some shame. This is totally something that I would have done at my work. Like, let me get to the experts. (laughs) Let's let's make a story out of nothing. It's not a health issue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently today parents think so. Uh, So a lot of people weighed in and the general consensus seemed to be you're never too old for an Easter basket. And a lot of different parents said that they just adapt as the kids get older 
So <laughs> one parent said she puts in bottles of rum and Dunder Mifflin undies <laughs> and food gift cards. So you really don't have to obviously put toys in there. You can whatever, you know, you like, whatever your kid likes or your partner likes, whatever it might be. This one Twitter user, OCD, a.k.a. overcaffeinated dad, waited okay. and said, <laughs> I'm 40 and my mom still makes you one. Albeit smaller than when I was a child, she still thinks of me. Her actions say, you're my son and you'll always be in my heart. I will never not think of you. I, that's the take that I agree with. It's just a sweet gesture. And I don't know why husbands are such... <laughs> I don't know, trolls are going back to her old episode, that poor woman. Yeah, I thought of the charm bracelet too, <laughs> charm where it's bracelet like people incident. are so gatekeeper-ish about these things, and I don't understand what crawled up their butts. I know, I know. Well, maybe the Easter Bunny needs to crawl up there and spread some joy. I don't know. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. My mom still makes me a little Easter care package that she sends to me every year, and it's so special because, especially as an adult, I am not going to go out and buy an Easter bunny for myself. It's just not something that's going to happen, right? But when it's gifted to me, it's such a special nostalgic feeling that only she can provide. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful that she does take that time. And exactly like that guy had said, it's a reminder that I'm loved and thought about. Yeah. And life is so short. You only get to have parent and daughter-son relationships for so long so why not celebrate it while you can and the holidays are a great opportunity to do that and guess what matt today's parents pediatrician who they consulted agrees with us so everyone's on the same page we're practically doctors all things cozy md <laughs> <laughs> let's dive into our main topic which is around deepening friendships specifically with questioning and particularly in the wake of the pandemic we do find ourselves catching up with friends, using whatever time we have together in person to share news of recent happenings in our lives, or maybe to vent about work or other hardships. But one of the coziest things we can do is to get to know the people we love in our life deeply. So what we're doing today is we're sharing 15 questions you can ask your friends the next time you see them to strengthen your bond and maybe learn some things about them that you didn't know. Jillian and I will be modeling these questions by answering them. You're going to get to know more about us. We're going to get to know more about each other. And we hope that these questions will inspire you the next time you're with your friends to dig a little deeper and, yeah, strengthen that bond. Because I've noticed this especially in our current moment where now that I'm seeing more friends in person, there are a lot of those surface-level conversations because we start there because we haven't seen each other for a long time. That's great, and it's good to know those things, but what's especially cozy are those deep friendships. And so we hope those questions that we'll be asking today help facilitate that. And Jillian, tell us a little bit about where these questions are coming from. Yeah, so we consulted the card game called We're Not Really Strangers. And my partner and I got this during the height of the pandemic when we're all locked up. And we were just trying to think of different and unique games to play because charades had just gotten really old on the first night of lockdown my partner said i can't do this anymore <laughs> so <laughs> we had to find something different and even though the game's called we're not really strangers you don't have to be a stranger with a presenter playing with as i was telling matt before we hopped on the recording the questions here are just reminders also of what you love about a person um it could be what's your favorite memory 
uh, childhood memory and and it can link you up in different ways. Um, so you don't have to be a stranger. You can play with your friend, your mom, your partner, whatever. There's different levels to the game. The first level is perception. And the aside is, we all make assumptions about each other, but how often do we ever put them to the test? Level one allows you to see what first impression you give off and how well you read others. Level two is all about connection. This level digs a bit deeper. 50 rarely asks questions, but warning, emotions may arise. Level three is reflection, time to reflect. And then once you get past all the levels of these cards, because each level has a set of cards, you reach the final one. And this prompt is, when's the last time you received a handwritten note? Well, here's your chance. Both players write a note to each other, but only open once you two have parted. So you'll probably have thought of me a little odd where it said emotions may arise because there are some heavier questions. We're not going to do any heavier, heavier questions in this episode as we, as we discussed. It's not really the tone of the show, but if you're into those deeper, more heavy questions, this game has a nice mix of lighthearted and a little bit more serious. So you never know what you're going to get. And we picked these cards at random, or my partner did and sent me screenshots of the photos because I forgot to bring the cards with me on my travels. So totally at random, and we're going to give them a go. As Jillian mentioned, some of the questions are very deep. And I think if you're playing in a private setting where it's just you and the, the person that you're sitting in front of, it's a little easier to talk about those uh, tougher questions. Like I think you shared with me one of the questions was, what's the most painful thing that has happened to you in your life? That's not physical. <laughs> You'll get to know somebody pretty well from the answer to that question. But the thing about us doing these questions here is we're also publicly having this conversation. <laughs> so mm -hmm. some of, there's a little bit of being mindful of that, too, because we are recording our conversation. Typically, when you play this game, you're not being recorded. Yeah, this really does add a, another layer of intensity. But you know what? We are, we are always willing to put our feet to the fire for our listeners. So oh, here yeah. we go. <laughs> Well, I'm looking at this first question. Should we give it a go? Yeah, let's dive right in. So Jillian, what's your mother's name and what's the most beautiful thing about her? My mother's name is Lisa. And there's a lot of beautiful things about my mom, but I have to say the thing that's most beautiful about her is her sense of humor. No matter what happens, if it actually is funny or if it's not funny, she just has the, I don't want to say a sunny outlook, but she can find the humor in absolutely everything. And she has the most beautiful laugh, so that makes it even better. She's laughing all the time, and I love to hear it. But yesterday we were driving in the car, and her she's wearing sunglasses, and one of the lenses just popped out really violently. And instead of just being <laughs> <laughs> rattled, she was just like, she thought it was like so hysterical. And I was like, you know, terrified. Say, could you look at the road? Because she was just so like hysterical at the fact that her <laughs> lens just flew out. Um, and also one of her car doors wasn't closed. And <laughs> she was driving with a dog. It was just like such chaos. But she um, makes it all really fun. So my mother's name is Patricia. And she was named that because her birthday is very close to St. Patrick's Day. So that's kind of her namesake day. Oh, I didn't know that. I think the most beautiful thing about her is her heart. She is such a giving and thoughtful person. And something that she always has modeled for me growing up is being there for people and never forgetting a birthday, always reaching out when someone is struggling with 
uh, a message of support and love. And she is always thinking about other people and what she can do for them. And so I think that's something that I think is the most beautiful thing about her. Well, I can say for 100% certainty that she passed down those qualities to you because it sounded like you're almost describing yourself in a way because <laughs> you are so thought you really are so thoughtful. I don't think so, but thank you, Julie. <laughs> you you are you you, I, you always remember special days and you're very caring. So Patty definitely passed that along, and it's interesting to know that St. Patrick's Day is her namesake. I didn't know that. So number two, how can you become a better person? For a podcaster, this is going to sound like a strange answer or maybe a, a correct answer. But I think the way I can become a better person is to talk less and listen more. And that's something that I've really have strived to do the older that I've gotten. You know, when you have out of body experiences where you are listening to yourself and you're just like, stop talking, stop, stop. (laughs) Because I think one of the things that I want to improve on the most is I have a tendency to rant and rave about whatever thing is making me upset. I just can't stop. That takes up a lot of, I think, oxygen in the room in terms of either giving other people an opportunity to talk or listen to them and find out more about other people and give them some space and platform and just shut up, Matt. <laughs> so that that's like my thing. I think I can do a better job of listening and say just enough in conversations. Yeah, I think not being the most adept listener is just also a result of being, like you said, really passionate about the things that you care about. Uh, So it's not always a a negative, but that's good. You're keeping an eye on that. And it's hard to change habits as we get older. So this question is, it is, it is really hard. Um, We're very set in our ways. For me, I definitely do the, the role of like playing martyr I've I've really I've realized that as I've got lived with um, my partner for for seven years, like I'll just you know not ask for help and then I'll act really uh, that word's not haughty but uh, like I'll just say like well I did this and I did that and it's like <laughs> well you didn't ask for help or even at work I'm just I really struggle to ask for help because well I actually asking for help sometimes it's being perceived as a weakness which it isn't but I think. I don't like to show my cards of not knowing her weakness, so I'll just try and do it all. And then I'll feel resentful. So it's like this really vicious cycle, and I don't want to get into that um, any any longer because it's really juvenile and immature to not ask for what you need, expect people to know it, and then be resentful for them when they don't do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be more mindful of that. Yeah, and just communicating how you're feeling and what you need, right? Yes. It can be so hard sometimes because like you said, I mean, there is a stigma sometimes to asking for help, especially in a professional context where Mm -hmm. you hear on the one hand, like people want you to ask for help when you need it, right? Because they want it done well and asking for help is a good thing. And I, I agree with that. But on the other hand, it's also reinforced to us that we should basically try every available thing we can do before we possibly ask or reach out to somebody else. And I think trying maybe too much to adhere to that one in particular can lead to, like you're saying, feel almost a feeling of resentment. Like, well, you know, I struggled and really suffered to get through mm-hmm. to do X thing. And so now that you're asking me to share this energy, why couldn't you have just suffered too? Which is not a, <laughs> no. a great thing to say, right? So I, I really love that you're pointing out that 
no, like when people are asking for help or they need to have support, it's not a sign of weakness. And I can give that with grace instead of wanting them to do what I did, which wasn't necessarily the most healthy thing in the first place. Yeah. And also like, as you're saying that, that, you know, response, I thought to myself, I also need to start taking my own advice because I tell my team that every single day and I generally mean it from the bottom of my heart, but yet I can't do it myself because I also think when you ask for what you need, you're being vulnerable and that's just mm -hmm. really, it can be uncomfortable at times, yeah. but that's my little two cents. Here's a more lighthearted question. Rate your dancing skills on a scale of one to 10. Are you ready, Jillian? Yes. One. Four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was a little worried I'd, I'd rate myself a little too high, but I, I really, I, Jillian, there's no way you're a one. No, Matt, you know what? It's the, the bane of my existence. Maybe I'll like, like when I'm at home and something good happens or I eat a really good piece of food, maybe I'll shake my hiney back and forth. That's pretty much <laughs> the extent of what I do. I'll wave my toe. But there's really, right. <laughs> I know, I, cause I, it's very hard for me to be in my body physically, like extremely hard even. It's, it's really tough. So dancing is all about letting go and being in your physical body. And I cannot. <laughs> so it's very, it's very difficult. I, can you think of me a time when I was boogieing around and you were so impressed? Well, I don't think there are that many opportunities for us to be boogieing together, <laughs> typically. No. Although I guess we have attended a couple of weddings together. Yeah. I think a one is like almost impossible for a human being. I, I will accept your scale. I'm not trying to like <laughs> don't you argue validate with you about me? it. <laughs> I'm not trying to invalidate your, your own uh. perception, but... I thought about this because I was like, I think a four is more true. It's like, I'm not like a complete disaster, but I'm not good. You know, it's not, no one's going to look to me like, wow, look at those moves. <laughs> you know, I'm not <laughs> going to be busting out some breakdancing. I'm not spinning <laughs> on my head. You know what I mean? I think I have the capacity. Like, I think also if someone taught me mm. how to dance better, I could. But I really haven't taken that time or gotten that, su that support. So... I'm going to say four. I feel, I feel like I can dance okay if put to the task and I can manage okay in like wedding situations, especially once everyone's had plenty to drink toward the end of the night and isn't really being more critical or observant. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm, I, I would not even say I'm an average dancer. I'm definitely below average. I don't know. I, I, I think also you're so diligent. That's why you could become a great dancer because you're very methodical and you're you're very good at following instructions as well, and you remember things. Uh, for me, I did conquer the cha-cha slide. So as we're we're talking, well, there you go. That should at least put you at a two. Yes, that's what I. So now I'm going to revise it to a two. And it was I felt so um, I felt like I could conquer the world when I learned the cha-cha slide because you do have to remember the little steps. And I remember flying onto the dance floor when it came on. But when it comes to things like the waltz and whatnot. Um, I don't think it needed or whatever it is. <laughs> Tell me when you have to count your steps. Do you, or... do you live in the Gilded Age? <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do um, for our Patreon subscribers. We'll learn, learn the waltz and we'll videotape it. And, no, uh... we won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, how would you describe me to a stranger? Question number four. I would describe you as, first and foremost, extremely insightful and funny. But I would say if it's a stranger and they're just meeting you, I would probably also say that you'll be quiet. <laughs> Which is very true. When you first meet somebody. So I would say like, you know, Jillian is one of the funniest and most insightful people I know. 
and is a great conversationalist, but she might be quiet the first time that you meet her. That's probably what I would say. One of the things I admire about you the most is that you just have the right words for things and you'll notice things that most people won't because you're very observant. I just love, you know, when we're talking and you'll be like, you know, one thing I notice is this and you'll just put it in the most precise and hilarious way. And I think that's such a gift. And so that's one of the, I think the first things that I would highlight about you. That's so sweet, Matt. That really is very touching. Thank you for saying all that. And I agree. I think it takes a while to get to get to know me. And so thank you for the real ones who stood by and waited. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just also get very overwhelmed in groups. So I don't think I'm like a group setting kind of friend. I'm a one-on-one or maybe three, four people. I can't do more. It's just too much. Well, first of all, I would describe you as my my best friends and i would say that you're ex- extremely extremely intelligent very dependable which i think is a rare quality um yeah and especially when you know someone through states and uh, different time periods and the fact that you're someone i can always count on i think speaks to uh, your heart i would just say you're the kindest person you're the most generous person and you're just the, I, I don't know if I would say to a stranger, he's the best partner, the best <laughs> son. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I mean, it's funny. I mean, I guess I guess we would probably describe each other as like, yeah, we're, we're great friends and we host a podcast together. Yeah, I would say you're one of my most treasure, treasured fa- friends. Like if I describe you to my mom, um, any time your family member knows of your friend, you know that they're a very yeah. solid and good, and good friend. I think you also have one of the best laughs. And well, I, I hope people like my laugh because I, I, I subject them to it a lot on the show. I love it. Like I could, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think you should just do a recording of it. <laughs> I gift it out. It's I do every best. week. Yes, you guys, you do. Yeah, <laughs> you, you do. You do. Well, thank you, so, Julian. That's, that's very, very sweet. And I feel the same about you. You're just one of my most cherished friends and longest lasting. We really have traveled through space and time, like not like, you know, s- space in terms of the stars and the planets, but We've moved across the country together, and it's really been great to evolve with you because it's been, you know, a decade of friendship. Yeah, and I would also say that we would be there for each other in a second. Not a murder situation, but if there's anything that you would, you know, say, I'd be like, yeah, of course. I'll, I'd chop I'll up do a it. body for you. I, I would I would <laughs> assist in I I, cause I I I think I would try to imagine you with like a knife or anything. I just I would just be too nervous and I just do a little. Well, we poke. know that you can't cut, so that would <laughs> yes, never like, be a, a problem yeah. you have. Really, it's just a matter of my knife skills, of course. Not I imagine because... kind of like a Dateline episode, like if you were ever the suspect of a murder and it involved any kind of like knife or anything, and you were, you know, booked. I would burst open the doors and just scream, <laughs> "She can't cut!" <laughs> yeah. It well, couldn't have been me, Julian. Don't give me any ideas. Now I know how to cover my trip. <laughs> Here's another question. What fast food restaurant do you think I'm most likely to drive through? And what's my order? Well, we've been through a lot of drive throughs together. I have to say Taco Bell, now that they've expanded their vegetarian options. So the Beyond Meat, I believe they're, the fast food restaurant has Beyond Meat. At the, I don't think they do yet. I thought they do. Do they now? Maybe, but I, I, they have a good, they have like a great vegetarian selection with black beans that they have, but. I just love, in th- love going through drive-thrus with you. I know that you love drive-thrus. I love do. Fast food. It's so fast and convenient. And who doesn't like fat and salt? Yeah. I think on our last road trip, we also went to 
Burger King, which yeah. I haven't been to in a very long time. I don't know. What would you get? I mean, I think you've you've, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. I, I love Taco Bell. I love a burrito from Taco Bell. Um, I also love the Carl's Jr. Beyond Meat Burger, mm. um, which is my number one fast food burger if I'm going to do drive through I would say for you, I would also say Taco Bell. Yeah. And I, I think I'm basing that on our fast food picnic episode where that was like your instinct was to go to Taco Bell. <laughs> I think you really liked those like cheesy little, like the, the cheesy wraps. Oh yeah. That they had that were just like basically a little cheese burrito. Mm. So I'm going to say that. Is that, is that accurate? That is extremely accurate. Back in high school, it was all about that Mexican pizza. Can't mm. have that anymore. But yeah. No, some oh. things are just too good to go on in this world. Yeah. So oh, right, that's right on. I really don't like burgers too much. Um, not really into that. If I'm going to do carbs, I'd rather do taco or burrito. <laughs> Moving out of the fast food drive through lane. Are you lying to yourself about anything? Wow. <laughs> fast and hard now. Okay. This must be, what level would this be? Oh, I would, I bet it reflection? would be. Yeah, reflection. I think that yeah. would be it. That's like, that's like a, a level three question. I'm definitely lying to myself that I'm going to lose the weight. <laughs> you got right to <laughs> that, it. That's a joke. I think I, I, think I can. Mm-hmm. But I do lie to myself about that quite a bit. I, I lie to myself all the time about how stressed I am. Hmm. Because I'm easily stressed out. And what I will do is I will let my anxiety get the better of me and start making a laundry list of all the things I have to do. And it will always end up being a lot of stuff on there will be really minute things like, oh, I have to make lunch for work. That does not belong (laughs) on a list of things that are, it's like a hardship that I need to stress out over. But I lie to myself all the time about how much I have to do and how busy I am. I think it might even go back to your point about like that martyr complex of having to feel like I'm just so put upon. Um, or I get so easily overwhelmed. So I think that's something I do lie to myself about a lot. I think if I took a a deep breath and really just took stock of what really is on my plate that is important or necessary, I would not be as overwhelmed. Well, I think that's a good exercise in taking things down a few notches and relaxing. If you wrote all the things down you had to you have to do for the week and look at it realistically, like you were talking about, I'm sure that's an immediate just because you can cross things off. They're really not important. What are you lying to yourself about? <laughs> I think there's like, it's too pronged. I think for a long time I was lying to myself that I'm cut out for the life that a lot of my friends lead where they're happy to live on like an artist salary or, mm. or like really put in a lot of work. Like my old roommate, Jocelyn, she was just so relentless in I'm writing these many pages a day and I can, I can only, you know, I, I have to really be conscientious about what I'm spending here and what I'm spending there. It's like, I just don't have the temperament for that. And I was always tricking myself like, yeah, no, I could really get down to that level. And I'm not literally, I mean, get down in a derogatory way. I mean, like literally just I try it and do it and really go for it. It's just, really a grading life and I commend people who commit to that but it's not a glamorous life the people who actually live in it's very rewarding and special and incredible in all different ways but you know 
I like my trips. I like my postmates and just admitting them a creature of comfort has been difficult yeah. and hard at times. Um, and then I guess presently, uh, just, I, I guess eternally continually I'm like, Oh, I can be more extroverted and I could, you're even like in a group saying like, Oh no, I can really <laughs> pipe up. It's just not my personality. And I saw a quote from Kristen Stewart the other day that she said that she used to think her shyness was a defect and she was always trying to change it and to overcome it. But maybe it's just not something to overcome. It's just myself and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's fine. I, I 100% agree with that. I And it's something that I've evolved on too, where like you, I would want to push myself to be more sociable and do more things. And I think especially after, you know, two years of isolation where we really couldn't, mm-hmm. I think I've especially gotten comfortable with knowing that, yeah, I am going to, if I go to a party or if I'm with people I don't know, I will be conversational and I will participate, but I don't get down on myself if I'm not like, you know, the life of the party or something like creating scintillating conversation or trying to force like making all sorts of new friends when I'm there and connecting. It's like, you know, those things will happen organically or they won't. And it's not anybody's fault. Yeah. The other people or myself, you know, it will happen or it won't. You just have to be your authentic self. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think also trying to change just intrinsically who you are is not great for population as a whole. Cause you need all different types of people. Yeah. So our next question sounds like I'm being like really <laughs> selfish, but we're both going to answer it. Jillian, what do you admire most about me? <laughs> well, I already gushed about you and how I would describe yeah, you. Yeah, I kind of feel like we we kind of answered this question already, but is there anything you would add? Yes. So I, so I don't want this to sound cold or robotic because I just gushed about you. So I'm trying to think of something that would maybe, it's not immediate from the heart. It's just something that I do admire about you, but it's not like gushy or mushy. So I like how detailed and thorough you are. You do not miss a beat. For me, I'm painting in broad strokes. I do miss <laughs> a lot of beats, <laughs> but I can always count on you for just always being so prepared. And that goes to dedication. You're so dedicated to everything you do, and that reflects in your detail and thoroughness. Like I would love, I would have loved to have had you as a teacher because I think one of the biggest things that teachers can do for kids is make them feel safe and secure. And by to do that a lot of the times it's not any like magical crazy thing it's just being prepared they know what to expect and I, I i could never just see anyone just catching you off your game like you're just someone who always is prepared and is detailed and puts 110 percent everything that you you do and that's such a special quality and it has made you go so far in in your profession and in life and so hats off thank you julian yeah what i admire most about you is that you truly are that ride or die friend and you are there for people 100% regardless of how uncomfortable it's going to make you because I've seen I've watched this happen in multiple different contexts and not even just to do with me but other people that you're friends with the way that you show up for people and support them and do whatever they need you to do if they're asking you for help or if you just see there's there's a need, you drop everything, you do whatever you can to help your friends. 
And I really, really admire that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's especially admirable because you do that in the face of such a high level of anxiety about any number of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And you will still push past through all of those feelings to be there for people and to help others. Thank and you. I think that's one of the greatest things about you. That's really sweet, P. Thank you. Yeah. No mountain high enough. Yeah. Thank you for saying that's really sweet. Puts a pep in my step, and I know the <laughs> listeners are like, not that pep in that step. <laughs> well, okay. Well, this is maybe the good feelings will go away when we have this next question. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. What about me is the hardest for you to understand? Number eight. Well, actually, this is maybe a good follow up for my answer because one of the things I have a hard time understanding sometimes with you is your anxiety. Because you'll feel so nervous or upset that you've offended somebody or you said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing. And I'm sitting there wondering, like, what what is going through her mind that she could possibly have that interpretation? <laughs> <laughs> Relax. You know, you did a great job. And I, I think I think it's just that simply like you will beat yourself up about X, Y or Z or be really nervous going into a situation that is really more or less straightforward, but that's because you are considering every possible thing that can go wrong, which can be helpful in planning to avoid those things. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a value to that too, but I often find myself, you know, wanting to say, just like Jillian, relax, it's going to be great. Or even a lot of times like Jillian, that didn't happen. Whatever the situation was, uh, was totally fine. And there's no reason to be anxious about it. Yeah. I think it's a really astute, observation and i'm trying to wean myself out of survival mode that the animal instinct to protect myself and so i'm looking at all different angles and also i genuinely do really hurt when i think that i offended someone so i'm like so i think it's also i am observant like you noted so i can tell when i whether it's imagined or not when someone you know let's like say is embarrassed by they feel embarrassed and I want them to not them to feel embarrassed. And so it's like just being way too observant for my own good. And that can lead into creating narratives and stories in in my head. And it never matches reality. It never does. Sometimes it does. Like you said, not a lot. So I got to change that. And then for you, I think the hardest thing for me to understand about you is that your confidence around how talented and and creative you are or your your hesitancy to maybe show your that side of yourself more at least in a public facing way and I just think that you're so talented and so creative and that you could ever not think that I'm not saying you don't but there's been moments I think of doubt and I'm like why how why would he ever think that you know about himself so it's kind of like a similar answer to you yeah too critical for your own good I just wish I could just push you out of the airplane and (laughs) (laughs) i i need that i i I think that's really well spotted i think that that's absolutely something i struggle with um i have a lot of fear about sharing my creative work especially if it's my writing or art or other things i do beyond podcasting for whatever reason i think the one of the few things i've been able to make and share in a long-lasting way has been podcasts because they're so live and 
you're just talking and you put it out there after you've recorded yourself talk. <laughs> and there's not as much hand-wringing you can do about how it turned out. Yeah, I think the podcast is a living testament to your creativity. You're so well-spoken well and sharp on on this podcast. and, and Well, at least funny. after the edit, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, without without you driving the ship, I would be... I don't know what it would be, <laughs> would it be anything. Well, I feel and, the same way. I mean, I, I, I think... And I think, actually, I do better with when I'm collaborating with other people because I do get the reassurance of, oh, I asked somebody what they think about it and they say it's okay. Versus if I'm mm. working by myself, I will, like you said, like not share it or hide it because I have so much doubt about it being worth seeing mm. versus working with other people. I have that other person to verify that it's like not a disaster. So I, th I think, I think being able to work in a team and make this with you is also part of the reason why it happens at all. All right, so I think this one's a pretty easy one. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> we'll take it back. Let's take it down a notch. Uh, do I seem like a morning person or a night owl and why? Don't even have to think about it. You're a morning person through and through. I know you can hang better than I can, and you don't pass out on the couch, mouth open. <laughs> but I don't know. You're just, you're, you're up, up with the birds, and you're raring to go. So I'm going to say a morning person. I think we're both morning people, right? Yes. I mean, uh, yeah. Even when we, when we, even when we record this show, so a little behind the scenes of how we do the show, we record pretty early on weekend mornings, typically. Not really early, but before noon, always, um, if we can. That is because we both deeply know about each other, that we are full battery in the morning, yeah. and that we are just depleting all day. And so in the situations where we have had to record in the evening, usually to accommodate a guest or because of a deadline that was approaching. We are, we, I feel like we're pretty different. <laughs> I can tell the episodes that we recorded at night because we're just a little less sharp, but also I think something that's often good about when we record it in the evening is we tend to sometimes be a little looser mm -hmm. and that can, can result in maybe some of our like funnier moments. But yeah, it's, we're definitely morning people. Easy, easy question. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, I'm texting you at 7am sometimes and I yeah. know that you're ready, <laughs> ready to go. I like sleeping. I, I, I want to be in bed at night. Uh, <laughs> I also love that feeling in the morning of being awake before other people and then getting to do your thing without feeling like other people are waiting on you or wanting a response. I feel like it's, it's the most free I feel all day. Yeah. Same. So, what does my Instagram tell you about me? Question 10. Well, I will say this. Neither of us are very active on Instagram. I was going to say. The so, I want to, <laughs> you know, I want to answer this question by saying that your Instagram tells me that you exist in the moment. Well, also that you're a private person because it's, it is a private. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have people trolling me. Well, one thing that is apparent is that from your Instagram is that you love your partner. And you love your cats because that's pretty much the only thing that's in your Instagram. Well, I was going to say, I think that the fact that we don't have active Instagrams proves we both have generalized anxiety disorder. Like, <laughs> I think you also have to to be, I don't know, just a, a freewheeling person, just sharing whatever. Maybe it goes back to how you said it's like that that fear of sharing your work. And Instagram almost does feel like work. I mean, if also, I'm not a good photo taker. If you looked at my crazy photos, it's like my cat's 
well, like it's just, you know, it's just like <laughs> crazy stuff. I mean, I'm like a six year old woman with this, my camera. So what am I showing here? That's good enough for the world. <laughs> I think you take great photos, especially when you do stuff for the podcast. Oh, thanks. My social media presence is not really there because I really hate social media. The only social media that I can stomach is our all things cozy Facebook group yes. because it's such a positive place. Yeah. And I love when listeners share things even to my private Instagram because they follow me and I always just accept requests and they'll send something that they think that I might like. And that really makes me happy and smile. And like you said, our Facebook group is so sweet. I truly don't think you can find a kinder place on the internet. Okay. Our next question is, are you missing anyone right now? And do you think they're missing you too? Yeah, I think this is a very easy question and kind of self-answering. It's, of course, when you don't live in the same state as a lot of your family and friends, you're always missing someone. And I would hope that they're not like good riddance to that B and they miss (laughs) me too. (laughs) I assume they're also missing me. Um, So when I'm in New York, I miss uh, my partner and my friends there when I'm here. Uh, but I'm there, <laughs> busy people over here, especially now my sister's pregnant. And so it makes me sad to think, like, oh, I won't, maybe my nephew won't get to grow, see him grow up as much in person. So that's a little sad. So yeah, I think, I'm sure Matt, you can relate. We're not in the same state as someone. You're always missing them. Yeah. Or even when you're in the same state, like one of our best friends is in San Diego even, and I miss oh, yeah. her a lot. It's okay. We get to see each other a decent amount, but still would love to see her more and absolutely miss my family and friends in Chicago. And I think they miss me too, I would say. Well, on a maybe lighter note, I'm not sure. For question number 12, it's not even a question, sorry. It's a prompt. Both players write a note to younger selves. You have one minute and then there's an option to compare notes. So do you want to compare I would just say, I guess we could just... You know, what would you say to your younger self? Yeah, that's probably easier. What I would definitely say to my younger self is to take risks mm. and just go for it and not worry too much about what people are going to think about you or if you fail because failure is information and it helps you grow. Mm. So take those risks and, and, and do the thing. Don't be afraid of stuff. That would be my, my, my note to my younger self. How about you? That's really great advice. Uh, mine would be to open up more and be more more vulnerable and just to keep in mind that it's actually really hard to lose a friend. Um, and so, yeah, there's something you could share about yourself that would hopefully deter anyone from not wanting to be your friend or losing them. So I think just to share more about myself and, I don't know, what's going on in my, my life, I think that I would tell my younger self that. What compliment, Jillian, do you think I hear the most? You're very smart. <laughs> I don't think I hear that the most. It's <laughs> well. a hard compliment to hear because it's not, I mean, I, I can't, it's one of those compliments like you, you always hear like, accept the compliment, right? But it's also, I can't, accept, I can't be like, yes, I am smart. I don't know why it's so hard to do. It feels so egotistical. But you are so smart. I don't feel that way. Well, I guess it would be weird in as an adult in a, in a workplace, like you're really well, smart. It, yeah. Well, also, I feel like I, I know all the things I don't know. And I feel like the older I get, the more I don't know and the less I'm certain about anything. Well, 
you're a smarty pants to me, but if maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe I have to rethink it. Okay. Something that so I bet probably what people tell you the most is that you're very nice. Do you get that a lot? I, I think I'm nice, but I think as Into the Woods will remind us, nice is different from good. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes niceness is like, I think I can be a little Midwest nice sometimes where like, I'll say the nice thing, but I'm not thinking it. Uh, <laughs> I'm learning that I, I in the. Um, what, I don't want to hurt any of anybody's uh, feelings. And that show about Pam, the thing about Pam, learn a lot about Midwest nice. <laughs> I think you hear a lot because you're in this. You you write professionally, so I would guarantee that you hear often that you are a talented writer what? because people you get to show people all day that you are. I do hear that I'm a good editor. And I never thought that I really would be. Uh, and I guess that's also been a harder pill to swallow that I'm doing more of, I don't want to say the pencil pushing, but I think I see things from a farther perspective and um, and then my skills of observation are really helpful to see the bigger picture of the narrative and what's the story. And so I'm pretty confident in my editing skills, maybe more so than my writing skills these days, but thank you so much for for saying that. Yeah, but that comes from your experience and talent as a writer that you're able to support others with bringing their stuff to the next level. So I think that's a, those things are very closely related. Thank you, P. Here's our next question. What am I most qualified to give advice about? I mean, obviously the easiest one would be what you do and your, your profession, but I, I don't want to be boring and just say your job. I, th- I mean, it's, it's not a bad answer. It's like, it's, it's the truth. Yeah. I would also say that like you could also give a lot of great advice on finding new opportunities for s- students, especially in the work that you did when organizing all those amazing field trips to Nickelodeon and really creating those partnerships. Because um, I think you were a trailblazer at your school, at least. Am I right in that? You, you did all your own. I don't your know own. if I'd say trailblazer, but yeah, I did create a lot of like opportunities for kids to go to visit workplaces and work with professionals in design and animation and uh, video games. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible that you do that such a feather in your cap and also collaboration. You're very good at collaborating. And so if I, cause I might work so insular, I probably could come to you and ask you if I had any trouble collaborating with people, I would definitely go to you. Um, yeah, I, there's just so many different things. I'm sorry. It's not a, a more exciting answer, but no, no, it's a great answer. I, I think for you, I would, I'll, I'll say the obvious thing. And then I think I'll go, I'll give you one more. Okay. So the obvious thing is that you are a professional editor and writer. So I would, you're absolutely qualified to give advice about any of that and anything to do with working as a freelance writer. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have come to you on for advice around those things. So, and you've been very helpful, but I would also say that you're extremely qualified to discuss travel and give advice on how to go about visiting a new place, where to stay, what to do. Even if you haven't had experience going to a place, you know how to approach it well. So I would definitely trust you on advice when it comes to traveling. I add another thing to my answer. I would, I would go to you for road trips. <laughs> You're the road trip king and you do road trips so, 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 so well. I think that's something I do well with my husband. The, 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 the two of us together 
uh, form like a really great unit when we are traveling on the road. He knows where to go <laughs> via the routes. And I'm good at the granular sort of like, when are we arriving? Where are we doing this? Where are we staying? Mm-hmm. Those kind of the details. Yes. I, that's where I, I come in. And just like I said about my other answers that you're very detailed. But yeah. And, and being and being the pragmatist. Like, oh, no, we can't fit in all these things. We have to pick one. (laughs) Sometimes I have to be the wet blanket. Our last question, it's a wild card. So some of the cards in this game say wild cards, a prompt. One of the prompts, just give another example, was give the other player a hug, a warm, fluffy one, not the, sorry, I'm going to use foul language here, not the crappy kind that's on the card. It's a little bit of a hard edge kind of game, you know? (laughs) Uh, So we couldn't do that because we're virtual. So I chose this one. Questions are an art form. Create your own. So this is really off the cuff. I did not think about these beforehand. We'll make it organic as possible. So I will ask Matt, what is your coziest childhood memory? The first one that's coming to mind, I'm just going to go with the first thing that's coming to mm-hmm. mind because I could ruminate on this for a while and come up with a better answer that is more interesting. But I immediately think of my grandma because I lived with my grandma and my mom for the first four years of my life. Mm-hmm. And I really love those memories of sitting on her chair with her and watching the Golden Girls. Aww. And it's a really early memory. Like, it's one of those early memories where you don't know. You can't really remember specifics. It's, like, fuzzy, if that makes sense, because I was so young. But I remember, I think this must have been when I was closer to four because I, you know, you don't have that many memories much earlier than that. Kind of staying up late with her late, probably was like prime time, late to me as a child (laughs) (laughs) and uh, being in her bedroom and just watching B. Arthur and and Betty White and all those golden gals. That's a really sweet answer, Matt. It's really special too that you got to spend your formative years with her and created stronger memories than your typical grandma, grandparent relationship where you usually some distance but you're right there with her the golden girls which is so sweet my question for you jillian is and i like this question as one to get to know people better because i think the question the answers are often interesting and my question is how do you define success like what does success look like for you well i guess in a, in a work sense it's just to not, this is kind of sad, but to wake up and not hate where you're doing and where you're going. And I think that I've found that I never dread signing on to work because I love the news and I love how fast paced it is and you never know what's going to happen next. Uh, so I, I think that's when you find that spot of where you're not dreading the next day, that's, you've reached some pinnacle of success there. And then Success, we actually had to talk about this with my partner the other day because we're looking at houses and they really want to have this, you know, huge grand house. And I, I don't really need that for them. It's like that, it's very visual success to them. For me, it's like if I can just vacation, do what I want, not have to check my bank account obsessively that I'm going to like make an overdraft or something insane like that. I, I just, I have enough and I don't have to worry, and I can just, you know, go on my little trips, order my takeout, be with my cats, and just live a nice, comfortable life. That's fine 
for me and that would be success. That's a great answer. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Um, and thank you, Jillian, for getting these questions together from the game. Of course. Again, the game is called We Are Not Really Strangers. If you're interested in playing with your friends or strangers, I guess, to get to know them better. And yeah, it was great getting to know you a little more deeply, Jillian. Yeah. And I hope these questions inspire you, our listener, to dig a little deeper the next time with your friends and ask some of those probing questions. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And um, I, I did walk away learning more about you and... I'm excited to hear how this game turns out for those who play it. Well, we've talked and thought deeply, so let's take a break with some soothing sounds. Jillian, what sound is soothing you this week? I've recently discovered this artist called Caroline Spence, and she's just this lovely singer-songwriter She's releasing a new album called True North that's out April 29th. And one of the earlier songs that she released from the album is called Clean Getaway. It's released on March 4th. And it's a song about sad in return. If you're not familiar, it's when you turn 29 and your Saturn has made its full completion. And it's a time where you're facing more challenges in your life. And it's really a make it make or break it kind of period where how you handle those struggles and how you, what decisions you make really set the stage for a lot that comes next. And so Caroline said that this song is also about the light, her lighthearted part of her experience with their Saturn return, entering a new phase of adulthood where you can actually make space for your inner child instead of running from them because Saturn return also is a lot about confronting the hard parts, but this is a more positive lighthearted take on that. So let's listen to Clean Getaway by Caroline Spence. This is one of the most Jillian songs I've ever heard. Yeah, very Jillian. But also what I was talking about before, which is that really embracing the parts of yourself that you may thought were defects, but they're not. They're just who you are. And one of the lines I really find cozy and sweet that it's impossible to be anybody else. And which is true. I mean, you really have to lean into your authentic self. And I know some people really hate astrology out there, but a sad return is your time to do that. Absolutely. I, I just think this connection to astrology, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the thoughtfulness of the song, it's, it's very you. Mm -hmm. And I really loved it. Thanks, P. My song this week isn't necessarily the coziest, I would say, but I have a lot of fond memories of this band. They were reaching their heights when I just got to college in 2005 and six. So I associate the Arcade Fire is the band I'm talking about with those feelings of nostalgia. So I will own that maybe this song is cozier to me because it sounds like it's such a return to their original sound that listening to the song made me feel immediately like I was um, 19 or 20 again. And I love that about it. But I also think the content, while not necessarily like sweet or soft or anything, it does kind of capture how the last couple of years have felt 
And in fact, uh, the lead singer wrote in um, an email, I guess, to fans that, quote, the feeling of the last two years, trying to make grand plans only to have the storms of life force you to improvise, end quote, is what inspired the song and what inspired the music video, which is combining actually two separate tracks, The Lightning One and The Lightning Two. And I do think they're better together because they do kind of continue. So it's one of those interesting, like, oh, we're, you know, we're artists <laughs> moves, <laughs> like we're going to split the song in half. So let's take a listen to The Lightning One and Two by Arcade Fire. I didn't want it to end. Yeah, and if you keep listening, like you'll get to the crescendo all about time, a day, a week, a month, a year. Kind of captures that feeling of like how that time just flew while we were all weathering and trying to survive and still are through the pandemic. I like that it's about perseverance. And I think that's be what's coziest about it. Is it's about not quitting on each other or ourselves. It's like what you said with the the time weathering on. The beginning of the song is like a slow march so mm-hmm. it really pairs well pairs well with that and the video is really beautiful too it's this it's black and black and white and they have a lot of sil- silver well i guess they're not silver streamers i don't know what color they are but these streamers that are glistening in the background and you're right it has that huge nostalgic feel and i'll be listening to this when we get off the podcast <laughs> good choice yeah so i mean if you're an arcade fire fan be on the lookout they're coming out with a new album we also have a candle we're sniffing today. Julian, take us through our candle review. Well, today we're sniffing Roy Hill's Farmstead Terrace, Co- Terrace Collection, and the scent is Fresh Picked Sunflowers, which I felt was very appropriate as we enter the spring season. And as you can imagine, the candle, which is 16 ounces, is a bright yellow, and it is a very good burn. I've been burning it all day, and it's barely made a dent. Have to admit, this was courtesy of my mom. So mm-hmm. I was trying to research Broyhill, and I guess Broyhill is a furniture company, and I suppose that this is a popular line of candles that they sell at Big Lots. So if you're in there, you know, keep your eye out for Broyhill. They do give you a good bang for your buck. The candle's only $8. I won't say that the smell is particularly special, or I wouldn't really get a fresh sunflower feel. It's like a, just a... Yeah, it's it's an interesting scent to pick. I, I, I don't even know necessarily what I would expect from that. Like, what, what are you getting from the scent of sunflower? You're completely right. That didn't even cross my mind. Like, what does the sunflower smell like? I, I don't think much. They're not really a scent that you, you go try and go sniff. So I think that candle speaks to that. <laughs> Someone just said, fresh pick sunflowers. Sounds nice. And they just did a generic flowery scent so i'm going to give it half a wick because you get a good bang for your buck and it's not so overwhelming or cloying that you want to just toss it out the window but it doesn't hit the mark i know we want to be creative with our titles but i don't think at the sake of false advertisement i don't know if i've ever really sniffed a sunflower that deeply but i feel like it smells sort of just generically like plant yeah, just plant. You know what I mean? Like that kind of like leafy scent that a lot of green things give off. 
um, which is pleasant, but not necessarily strong. But I could be wrong about that. I really actually don't know. So yeah, it, I feel like I would almost need to like have a, a freshly picked sunflower to compare it to to really see if it's delivering the experience. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like it's just kind of okay. Yeah, just okay. So I'll give it a wick. But like I said, you get a good burn for $8. Just can't go wrong Yeah, here. and sometimes you just want a candle that's going to last you a while and you don't want to replace it all the time. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, that completes our episode for today. Thank you all for exploring these questions that will deepen our friendships. And again, we invite you to ask the people in your life these questions so you get to know them a little bit better and forge those bonds. We are going to be taking a little spring break to enjoy the spring holidays. Happy Easter and happy Passover to those who celebrate. We will be back with a new episode on Sunday, May 8th with a brand new episode. So just about a month from now, you might want to go back and listen to some older episodes if you need your all things cozy fix, but we're not gone. We will be coming back with three more episodes until we take our annual summer break, right? So this is a little bit of a breather. And we'll finish with a bang. Get that party. That's right. The summer started. (laughs) And um, of course you can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at all things cozy podcast. We invite you also to support our show on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash all things cozy. Until May, stay cozy. cozy.